and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, and uh, Justin believes that someone during NHL training camp will sneak out via the laundry chute to go out and party in downtown Toronto. Uh, We should have found a more boring city. Maybe somewhere in Nunavut. They have a couple (laughs) rinks up there. Listen, put them in Quebec because everybody's been hammering for teams there, so... Yeah, let's yeah. just put them in there. There, there you go. Nothing to do in Quebec at all. No, no trouble to get into in in Quebec. Uh, we are excited because there's actual hockey things to talk about uh, with training camp going through its first week, and uh, you know, for the most part, things have been pretty darn good. There hasn't been too many, you know, I, I think a lot of people were worried that, you know, we'd, we'd get to this point and within a few days you'd see guys testing positive left and right because they were out doing stupid things. I think so far, so good. We won't know until, I guess, sometime, well, like probably, probably more likely like seven to ten days after this all begins is when, if we're going to see some some cases creep in, it would be that point. Uh, there are so many storylines going on, and so we just decided, hey, let's let's do a little bit of a, a top five things you're most excited for, things that are happening in the in the league right now. Uh, we've got awards that have been uh, the finalists that have been handed out. We've got flooding in Rogers Place in Edmonton. So many things happening. And uh, Justin, what what is the first thing on your list that just piques your interest right now? Yeah, um, to me, it's the battle at these training camps right now is what I'm most excited to see. And we talk about it, right? Some of the younger guys, I know Toronto's got a a ton of younger players vying for some of these bottom six spots. Um, You know, goaltenders, obviously, we've got the battle with the Rangers. You know, is it going to be the Lundqvist? Is it going to be, you know, Gorgiev? Obviously not, but... You know, or you look at Vegas and you got guys like, you know, Robin Leonard, who maybe some people are like, yeah, let's give this guy a shot because, you know, we might need him long term now because Mark Andre Fleury is getting up there, didn't have the best regular seasons, or is we, or are we still going with the flower? So some of these battles are going to be super interesting to me, and I'm, I'm excited to see how they kind of play out moving forward for sure. Yeah, uh, the battles in training camp are usually like that's the. That is the reason we love to just watch training camp kind of uh, play itself out. I know I thought it was pretty interesting how the Leafs early on were having actual referees in their scrimmage, and then the league told them that they couldn't do it anymore. Right. I, I'm sure some other teams complained and said, "Oh, you know, oh, it's Toronto; they get to have refs, and we where are we going to get refs in Florida? You know, something. I don't know. And not that there's not other." hockey guys you could just stick in a referee uniform like right I, you can go to the local roller arena and get some I, I guess guys. to me i would say like because they they talked about the reason they wanted to have it there was running your power play if there's a linesman and a referee that is something additional to watch out for and if you don't practice with them there then you get used to them not being there well i think what i would do is i'd say great uh you coach and you coach put on a referee uniform and go stand, you know, go stand over there. That's you, a good solution. You don't have to use actual referees. Actual referees. You can you can use anybody. Uh, that's probably what I'd be doing. Okay. Yeah. 
it's not a bad idea. And again, I don't know if maybe the NHL, I don't know all the fine details, and but maybe they have a limit to the number of skaters on the ice. But well, again, well, they they said that they it was just like additional people that were allowed in the training gotcha area, yeah. and so they they didn't want it. So that's why I'm saying like you just use a coach instead. You could still do the same. There thing. you go. Problem solved. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers arena is Rogers place floods, uh, but is structurally sound. According to the NHL, uh, they apparently say that nothing is, is going to hold them back from starting games. Uh, I feel like it's just like a 2020 thing. Like <laughs> why, why wouldn't the arena flood 12 days before you're supposed to host the first exhibition game? Right, we've got murder hornets. I'm finding out that they're squirrels with the bubonic plague now in Colorado. It, it's like, why not? Let's just have some other weird shit happen. Let's let's flood uh, the arena, the only arena we're going to play in. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, the the I guess in terms of training camp concert controversy, I don't think there's anything more controversial than what's happening with Johnny Gaudreau in Calgary. Okay, uh, so. If you if you've heard or seen Johnny Goudreau hasn't been playing with uh, with his regular line mates, there's been a lot of talk that Goudreau came to camp and that he wasn't in shape and that that's why he wasn't playing with uh, with the guys that he's normally paired up with with uh, with Monahan and uh, of course Brad Treliving comes out he says nope that's not the reason why we're you know disciplining him but it is a discipline thing because he says uh he's in tip-top shape he worked out during the pause and this is just one of those things and will all be established in a better sense in the next couple of days as for why he's not skating with the main group and his usual line mates the calgary flames aren't willing to go there at least not yet it's weird yeah, I, I mean, what's ha- this, you know, we still don't totally know why this is why this is going on, and who knows? Maybe by the time you're listening to this, we we do find out uh, exactly why. But uh, Johnny Gaudreau had a really t- kind of a tough season, anyways, and here he finds himself kind of playing with the scrubs of the team <laughs> uh, as they split everybody up, and uh, it just seems. I, I just want to know. I want to know what what's going on with Johnny Gaudreau. Because the Flames, if Johnny Goudreau isn't ready to go or if something is, you know, it truly is wrong, uh, then the Flames' chances against the Winnipeg Jets plummet. Yeah, he's got to be the guy that stirs that drink there. Obviously, Sean Monaghan, he's not as gifted offensively as a guy like Goudreau isn't. And the quote was, I'm totally ecstatic with where Johnny Goudreau is right now. And if you're totally ecstatic... Why don't you just come out and say, okay, well, we're just, you know, he didn't have the best regular season, so we want to try him with some other guys, or we want to try our top line guys, you know, get them some chemistry going with some other guys or something. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. just say like, oh, we're just we're oh, putting we're him with the scrubs with and it. Yeah. yeah, we're it's internal. Like, we'll tell you guys later. Just shut up and tell us. Like, get it over with because we're gonna, you know, the media is gonna keep bugging you about this, and it's right. like, what's the point of even hiding something like that at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Flames are uh, hopefully. At full full strength with with Johnny Goudreau once everything starts, uh, I think another storyline that it, to me is what makes this training camp and what makes this return to play so exciting is the fact that you have not just guys who were 
actually injured and completely out of it. And now all of a sudden they find themselves in a position where they're fully healed from what would have caused them to miss some or all of the playoffs. But you also get the guys like John Tavares, who was injured all all year almost, played but had this aggravating injury, and now he's 100%. You've got Sidney Crosby, who's had a chance to get himself sorted out. You have you have so many superstar players across the league who had maybe some hampering injuries that now they're coming into a training camp, and it's, just, it's, it's like the beginning of the regular season. Everyone's 100% healthy. Here we go, and we're but we're jumping right into the playoffs. Yeah, four-month break, and that gives, I mean... For most guys, you're going to get healthy at that point unless you have like some really, really bad injuries, which I don't think there really were too many of those. So, yeah, that's that's exciting to see. And I I love it because obviously now, like, you know, during the regular season when you get guys that get injured, right, you're scrambling, you're putting together new lines, new combinations. Like, let's try this winger with, you know, Connor McDavid, see if we can't get something working. Um, You know, that's kind of how, you know, you figured out in Edmonton, for example, when McDavid went down and Dreisaitl turned in to be the guy there. For, for a little bit of a little stretch you know you found out Yamamoto right paired so well with him and you know he was a point per game guy on on Dreisaitl's wing so you figure out things like that and it's like now okay now everybody's healthy so what are you going to do with your line combos now what are you going to you know how are you going to pair guys you get a fresh start to to put the guys that you ideally wanted to maybe with these guys and you know um you know Toronto for example I expected you know Tavares and Marner to play most of the season together and that really hasn't panned out since you know Sheldon Keefe took over and well, and, and Tavares wasn't totally healthy even right. after coming back. Yeah, yeah. so maybe that changes now, and you know, maybe Marner goes back with Tavares, or maybe Nylander sticks down there, and who knows? Yeah, yeah I, I'd say that the, the most interesting thing when it comes to the, like, the injuries that you could have had are from a goaltending perspective. Goal, goaltenders, we, we often don't know exactly what's going on with a goalie. We'll look and we can look at his numbers and all this. Oh, he's not, he seems like he's struggling or, uh, you know, it looks like maybe he has, he has a groin thing and a goalie will just struggle with a groin thing for 45 games or it'll never go away until they take a significant amount of time off. And I'm wondering if goalies don't come back and have a huge, uh, increase in the in their abilities because they're totally healthy often you know often we see it like okay this guy played 60 regular season games 50 regular season games like what's the ideal number for a goalie to play well guess what every single goalie coming in the playoffs has now played the ideal number right <laughs> so you know where where we think this first round could be a almost like a full-on shootout because defenses aren't going to be probably clicking as well as is is it is to be easy uh, to just jump right in and be creative and be offensive and use your speed to create offense. Uh, I'm wondering if once we get outside of this first round craziness of a five-game series, if goaltenders don't completely take over because they're fully rested and healthy and ready to roll. Like maybe especially the guys who get you know, three to five games as they're warm up in this preliminary round and go into the rest of it. I, I would expect that the one difficult part and something that I'm sure will get talked about more as we move into the playoffs will be for those top four teams 
who haven't really gotten a lot of competition. I know they're going to go and they're going to play their little exhibition games against uh, the other top four teams in the conference, but it's uh, it not going to be the same as what other teams are experiencing in an actual series where if they lose, they're out. And I think those goaltenders are going to get sharp real quick. And it might be a little harder for the goalies of those top four teams to be in that perfect mindset. But nevertheless, I really think those, once we get past the preliminary rounds, healthy goalies across the board is going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, that'll, I mean, That'll definitely be interesting. I think when you talk about like those top four teams, right? You're not going to play Stamkos 20 minutes a game. You know, you're not going to see Braden right 20 minutes. So they're going to see less time against these superstars. And then not only that, but I think these clubs, you know, in the top four are going to rotate their guys. Because, like, for instance, Dallas, right? Obviously, Ben Bishop's the man, but you're going to probably see Kudobin in there one game just to get a little bit of action, right? And same goes with, uh, you know, McElhaney and Tampa Bay or. Uh, you know, Halak and Boston, they're going to get a game in there probably right? Uh, just to get their feet wet. But, you know, on the flip side, I think when you talk about goaltenders, I wonder, because there are some goaltenders, if they're not playing a ton, if they're not, you know, going hard for a certain period because of this giant layoff, you know, even though they might be healthy, if they try to go in, and especially with these those, these goaltenders in those five-game series with the, the playing rounds, you know, they go in cold, and now they're pushed hard really, really fast. Yeah, that's no, true, true. Could they get an injury? And uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I don't think we'll see it as much because I think, you know, a lot of these guys will get, you know, have probably been working out, have been staying fit and active, and then they'll obviously get a little bit of time in training camp, which will be nice. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think, you know, what what will happen if we do see that, that one-odd team that does get a goaltender who goes down because he's been, you know, cold or hasn't been as hard? And, for instance, you know, like the Florida Panthers, right? If Barbrowski goes down with an injury real fast, they're they're in big trouble. Sure. Like, obviously, yeah. they're not completely relying on him because that's not how they got into the position they were this year. But, you know, obviously, they want him to be the guy. And yeah, they, well, they're in the position they were because they're lucky as frick that right. everyone got in. <laughs> right. And, and then on the flip side, too, right, a, a team like Montreal, you know, if Carey Price isn't healthy or if he gets injured, they're just put an X on him. They're done. So, And uh, apparently Carey Price is at the top of his game right yeah, now. Yeah, loving his solid red pads, too. I yeah. mean, he got some new some new gear, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's looking real nice for me. Yeah, that'll be – I mean, that is the hope for some of these bottom uh, lower seed teams is – their goaltending situation. I mean, the only chance Montreal has against Pittsburgh is if Carey Price can pull off a Yaroslav Halak. Sure. Like, he needs to have probably the greatest five games of his career. Yeah, probably. <laughs> In order for them to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. We talk about healthy guys. You know, especially, you get- like, I know that there's, um, like, Max Domi has still, he has. I don't know, written written in somewhere, or he said, you know, I'm willing to give it uh, seven to ten days, see where we're at, and then he's going to make his final decision as to whether or not he'll play because he has diabetes and he's right, right. You know, obviously a little bit more at, at risk because of that. Um, but I, it'll it'll be interesting. Like if he does, if Max Domi doesn't play, that would be a huge loss for the Habs, and and hopefully. Hopefully we just you know everything's smooth and everybody does does what they should do right here. Who follows so the can, rules so that we can all have yeah. uh, you know nobody's going through the laundry shoots. 
<laughs> it's I like really hope someone tries an that. escape from prison. Once they're all in the bubble, you're just going to have like a back door that's left unlocked by the janitor who took a bribe from Austin Matthews so that they can all go out and party. <laughs> you know what might actually happen? Just the opposite is it wouldn't shock me, if, especially in Toronto with the media there, as crazy as they are, is if someone tries to sneak in. Oh, to like a hotel yeah. or something to yeah. talk with some of these players. I, yep, I could see that too. Um, speaking of Austin Matthews, we do have some award finalists, and one of those is for the Lady Bing, uh, which is Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, and Ryan O'Reilly. So, interestingly enough, the most gentlemanly player in the National Hockey League. Only one of those three players. Uh, wasn't charged for a crime in the last year. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you said that. (laughs) Uh, This seems kind of weird. I know it's gentlemanly play on the ice, uh, but, you know, maybe a few of those guys, a couple of those guys aren't exactly gentlemen. Uh, Nevertheless, speaking towards just just on the ice uh, performance, who do you think takes that trophy? Who do you think takes the Lady Bing? I think I think I really think that it is kind of the like the Lady Bing to me is that you weren't quite good enough to win the Hart Trophy or any other trophy. Uh, you know, you didn't have the season that some other guys had, but we'd like to recognize you. So here's the Lady Bing because you didn't get a lot of penalty minutes. Yeah. And, and maybe like yeah, you just you didn't have a lot of penalty minutes. That's that's really it. Were you good and didn't have a lot of penalty minutes? Yeah, I mean you got McKinnon with twelve, Matthews with eight, and um, boy, you know I think between those two guys, I, th- I think McKinnon probably gets it. Hmm. Just because again, like you talk about, it, it's like the consolation prize for the Hart Trophy, right? And yeah. and I th- I think really for me the Hart Trophy boils down to Drysaddle and Panarin because we know what Panarin's meant to his team. And, uh, you know, McKinnon, you could you could easily say the same for what he's meant to Colorado, uh, especially the point difference between him and the next closest guy in that team. Yeah, yeah. But I think because, obviously, I think the war is probably going to go to Dreisaitl. I think McKinnon's like the guy they're just going to say, okay, well, let's just give him this mm-hmm. then. Yeah, see, I, I wonder, like, the Brian O'Reilly, I think, is is up for this. I mean, the guy never gets penalty minutes anyway. No. And he plays so hard, which is crazy yeah, to me. Yeah, you You would not think, like... Looking at him and looking how he plays, you wouldn't think that he would be somebody who would have like four. What do you have? Four ten, penalty, penalty ten, minutes. Ten, yeah. But still, yeah. Uh, I think I, I don't remember what year it was. He had four penalty minutes. Uh, yeah, you you wouldn't think that that he would be that type of guy. But I think that this is a, a nod to hey, you won the Conn Smythe Trophy. You're a great player, and we're recognizing that now. We're like we're finally putting you into the conversation for this now. Uh, yeah. I, By I, the way, it's seventeen eighteen in Buffalo, two penalty minutes, okay, eighty one games. Uh gosh, it was fourteen fifteen with Colorado, eighty two games, two penalty minutes. I mean, he starts his career off the, or I'm sorry, that was wrong. I read that wrong. Uh yeah. Thirteen fourteen, not seventeen eighteen, I'm sorry. Yeah, but still two penalty minutes and then seventeen eighteen, two penalty minutes. And 12, 13, 4 penalty minutes. I mean, wow. the guy just wow. doesn't get him. How do you it's play crazy. 82 games and only take one penalty? And crazy. be like, hey, a guy who could be in the conversation for Selkie and could be in conversation. Like, it's, it's, he plays a fantastic game. It, it's really cool to watch. Um, who wouldn't want to have him on their team? Yeah, Buffalo's kicking themselves. Let's take Patrick Berglund. 
This will oh work out well. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Great, <laughs> great idea. Buffalo is a great place to play. Obviously, mm. everyone is clamoring to go play in Buffalo. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so you think McKinnon wins it? I See, I think that McKinnon will probably win the heart because okay. of where his team ultimately finished. And he's got more of a Taylor Hall vibe. that were around him. Sure. I, I think that McKinnon probably takes it. And everybody wants to give Colorado some love. Uh, based off of and also based off last year uh i do think i, I think austin matthews actually would might win the lady bank okay uh i do think though the one downside for for dry saddle is he's going to have a lot of people that want to give it to Mc, mcdavid and so that might yeah. pull a couple votes yeah. so yeah. yeah i could see mckinnon getting uh, it because of that austin matthews is going to get the vote of probably most toronto guys oh, i know sure. that i've seen some people release their list and matthews isn't even in the top like 10, but that's because it's because see they like some of these writers have a proclivity to to say well I would never put him in a gentlemanly award because he moons somebody raise your hand right now if you're <laughs> listening to this if you've ever mooned someone before oh my gosh yeah I remember my hands up yep same I, I could never win the lady bing because I took way too penal- many penalty minutes <laughs> when I played anyways but <laughs> Now I'm definitely not going to win. You the did lady take bank. a few. Um, even I took a few playing a goalie. Man, Dude, sometimes you just got to slash a guy's leg. Yeah, I did. Um, I used to always as a goalie. You took more penalty minutes than Ryan O'Reilly. I did. I actually would have like whenever guys would stand in front of the net, as long as they had like that back foot like pointed further. To, I would always just just poke at it a little yeah. bit and see if I can't get him give a him trip. a little slide. Yeah. Um, but I remember one time. I was playing a show, I think in Grand Rapids, and uh, me and our bass player were driving back from this, you know, the show, and uh, he just, he pulls his pants down in the passenger seat of my truck, we got the gear in the back, and he just moons, you know, the other convoy, that we, the other car, uh, and then the sirens come on, we get pulled over by the cops. I'm like, oh, no, gosh. I'm not getting it. He only, I, he got a ticket for just not wearing a safety belt, that was it. I was oh. kind of surprised we didn't get him get in a little bit more trouble for. Did those they know that he had mooned? No, them. I don't. They didn't well, have. He a clue. just saw him standing up in the car. Yeah, Whew. that's a that's a good thing. Don't want to get on any <laughs> uh, any offenders list out right. there because of some stupid thing like that. Uh, so we have also other trophies: the Vesna Trophy, Connor Hellebuck, Vasilevsky, and Rask named Vesna Trophy finalists. Uh, I think we figured that those would be the three that, that got it. Uh, who do you think ultimately wins it? You still, you're still probably pretty high on Hollabuck. Hollabuck. Yeah, I still, because again, I think Boston, we know how good they were as a team. And I think what Hollabuck was able to do, he, he had more games this season where I think that he willed them to win or he won games for them for the Winnipeg Jets because of, you know, again, they lost their entire D core, right? right? Truba, right. Bufflin, it's all gone. And, you know, obviously, as a team, they're not as strong as when you look at a team like, you know, Boston. You could say, okay, great, they've got great systems, they've got great forwards, defensemen, everything's there, and Rask is reaping the benefits. But no knock on Tuga Rask. If he wins it, I'm not upset about it. No, he no. definitely had a fantastic season. But to me, I think Hollebuck meant more and did more for his team. Yeah, and Hollebuck he played it. more games. Like, just, yeah. I mean, he had nobody behind him really. <laughs> Laurent <laughs> Brossois. Yeah. Uh, Hallebeck is, I think, the guy who who deserves to win this this award, which would be, I mean, it's the second time he's nominated in three years, and I think it would be 
That'd be huge. Yeah, Rasku's got one, so let's give the kid one now. There you go. Um, what other things are happening in the National Hockey League that uh, that have just that make you excited for return to play, or what 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 other stories do you have on there? You know, the only other thing that I really um, am interested to hear, and you and I kind of talked about it a little bit before we got going in the show, but um, it's to see what happens, you know, how the NHL responds if we get, you know, a couple weeks in the training camp here, if we get, you know, into this playing round and guys start getting COVID, right? Mm. We start hearing more and more players. Obviously, I think they're, you know, it's going to, they're not disclosing the names and they're going to call it unfit to play or whatever it is that they're, they're going to classify them as, but. Um, you know, or they'll maybe start calling it an upper body injury, whatever. Uh, an upper body, upper <laughs> respiratory injury. Yeah, but to me, it's it'll be interesting to see because I think the NHL has done so well at organizing, you know, these phase ones, phase two, these strategies that they've worked so close with all these players with to just really make sure things are as good as they can possibly get, right? And I, I've listened to a lot of interviews where where all these, you know, uh, these media guys from, you know, Toronto, you know, Florida, I, you know, the NHL execs, I've, you know, listened to them come on, and they all believe this is about as good as they're going to get it, and i I, I believe they've done a, just a, such a fantastic job making sure things are as safe as possible for the players, the coaches, you know, the staff that's involved, the media people that get to come. And it'll be interesting to see what happens if we do get not necessarily a spike, but we do see kind of, you know, a few, you know, cases pop up how the NHL handles it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it'll, I think it'll depend to do we get these spikes when all the players are in their bubble? Or is it when, like, beforehand? My guess is that it's beforehand, and you're going to... I would think so. ...hold players back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping... I'm hopeful that guys are just doing their doing their best to avoid any, any contact. Because, I mean, really for the vast... And, and I... Like, Austin Matthews talked about it. He got COVID-19, and he continued to train at the high level that he was training at. Because... He's asymptomatic. And most people, especially these guys, are going to be asymptomatic. And I, and I know that all it takes is for one guy for that not to be the case, for for this to become a story of irresponsibility. But when there's so many guys who are, well, yeah, I tested positive, but I'm completely fine. It, it does, I guess, you know, it, it makes you go, okay, these, these guys are the, the, the best in shape people probably the least likely to be affected by this because of the the conditioning that they're in because of the food that they're they have access to and not that everybody eats super well but they do definitely have access to uh really good nutritionists and uh the way that you can eat where your immune system is sure. strong uh, i'm i'm hoping that because of that that we you know that we can just avoid a lot of the the little extracurriculars with it. Guys are going to, somebody's probably going to get it. Um, and it's just a matter of how bad it is if they get it. Like if somebody gets it and it like, like in 1919, I know that's a hundred years ago, but if somebody gets <laughs> COVID-19 and God forbid a player dies, it's all over. Right. Like if ever, anyone dies, it's all over. <laughs> like this yeah. is, this is not going to, not going to go on. But again, my, my hunch is that these guys are, they're young. They're really like the chances 
I think are are so slim. Not to mention yeah. the fact that they're being tested They've all got the, the time. Best medical staff yes, too. Just they have constant evaluation. Uh, I'm pretty confident that no one's going to die, but it's to me it's it's the fact that they're these should be the strongest immune systems, at least per, you know percentage wise across the board that much stronger than most people and definitely much stronger lungs and heart than the average person (laughs) who's been sitting around for the last four months because we can't afford to have a a home huge home gym or like some special private place that we can go where and and continue to train so yeah let's hope so and i think it'll be good so yeah one last thing the thing that i have been most surprised with in the last three months lay it on me the fact that there was hardly any hoo-ha about the league and the players agreeing to four to six years of peace is something that i just can still not wrap my head around yeah that's been quiet how do we i mean we missed half a year two times we missed a full season once and that's over the last like 25 years that there's been this constant disagreement between the players and the owners. And here we go. What do you know? All we needed was a all we needed was a, a life-threatening pandemic to make people put everything into perspective and have these guys go, "All right, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll just we'll play nice. We'll just basically continue what what we've already been doing. Sure, you can go to the Olympics, no problem." Like everything just seemed to kind of nink nink fall into place and I know that they didn't necessarily have the uh, the same type of agreement via the players. Like it wasn't like a a ninety nine percent of the players agreeing to it. But uh, I mean, we they've agreed to everything up to this point, and uh, the CBA is signed. And they're really it was just like, oh, okay, the CBA is signed. <laughs> it's I'm not used to it. Yeah, it's it's strange, and I I, I can't remember where it was that I read, but. There was one guy who was, um, you know, an executive in the NHL, and he basically, he was working with the NHLPA throughout this, and he said there was the chance that they were talking about next year's cap, like dropping up like $8 million. And that's part of the reason why they wanted to basically go after this CBA extension so they could agree to do a flat cap uh-huh. so that, that way they can hopefully, you know, over the next couple of years, right. make the earnings back that they're missing out this year. And instead of having the slowly you know, build that cap. Instead of dropping and then coming back up, they can just stay where we're at. Just stay where we're at. And it's crazy because you think about a lot of these teams, right? And you and I've talked about it on multiple occasions where just, you know, they're already strapped for cash as it is. And if like, are we going to go back to that, that original lockout where player salaries got decreased, right? But that's what I thought was going to happen. Everyone was going to take, because especially because of COVID, like because of the economy. And sure. uh, I thought that for sure, everyone was going to take a, a 10% or a 15% cut i had to take a cut at my job i mean yeah so yeah i was fully like like you said i was expecting the nhl players to probably have to do the same um you know obviously the game is you know a little bit more dependent on revenue from like tv and stuff like right, that right. than they are you but know, i mean still the the amount of money that they get from actual fans at a game oh, yeah. is still incredibly high Oh, absolutely. We used to have, uh, you know, my old bartending days, we used to have one of the the accountants for the Illich family come into my bar as a regular. Mm. And he told me, you know, like back when they, this was back when the Wings were in the Western Conference, if that tells you how far back this is. But um, they said, you know, against the rivals, the Chicago Blackhawks, they would make, you know, between beer 
and merch sales and tickets for one game, they would make about $3 million in profit. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, I mean, that's the high end. Let's say the low end you're making the, the Red Wings are making a million, million and a half for a, a low end game. Right. And we, so you go over the course of 40 games, that's a lot of money. Right. And we know now ticket prices have gone up a little bit. Sure. You know, it costs a little bit more for, you know, a soda pop or a beer now. So, yeah, those numbers have only just got even higher. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, here we are. We agreed. I, I still can't believe that they agreed to four years and potentially six so that's that's a that's a great thing and i think that that is exactly what the league needed like you're at 50 50 you know you've you've got everything the play all the players really wanted was was the olympics yeah and escrow was a big talking part of it too but of course yeah the olympics were such a huge thing because you know you got guys like ovechkin now who can go in and play for their you know their country and it really means something i mean the last olympics where you had some of these guys you know going and play for russia and they won the gold but it did it really count? Because they weren't really technically Russia. They were this non-entity because they got caught cheating or whatever it right, was. And, right. Um, yeah, but, I mean, you know, you have a lot of, like we talked about in our last show with the top 10 Swedes, like the Sedins coming out, and they probably, you know, enjoyed playing for their com- their country to win that Olympic gold maybe more than they did to want to play for a Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah. And I imagine there's still a lot of players out there that, you know, playing internationally and winning an Olympic for their country means just as much to them as it would be to win a cup. Yeah. And it's, it just means something different, right? Like this is your, it's almost like your job, you have your job. And then, uh, and of course the goal is to win the Stanley cup. There's an, there's an aspect that's really fun about your job. I, I hope. And the Olympics are more like your, it's like your charitable event, you know, or, but it's also that you're on a worldwide stage. And it's it's just you're it's the best against the best, you know. It's it's a different kind of vibe, and I know that we have the World Cup, but I just it definitely doesn't have the same level of uh, across the board. Like people will just watch something because it's the Olympics, right? And I I really do think that it's maybe unquantifiable for the league to go. You know, what does it pay off for us to send our players? But I mean, ever since the league started sending their players, the league has grown exponentially yeah. since 1998. Well, that's the thing. You get these NHL players going overseas, right? And now you have countries watching them. And so maybe some of your guys that, you know, um, you know, say in the KHL who are very, very, you know, obviously there's not a, I don't want to say an abundance of talented players that could play in the NHL, but they have a lot of good players that could compete. And so maybe they're like, oh, well, maybe I'll look at the NHL because I see the level of talent that's over there. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, <clears throat> you know, you've got younger guys that, you know, didn't really know where they wanted to go, but now they, they can idolize some of these other players, get to watch them and see what it really is to play against well, some of these other guys. And you also, you know, you're playing like these next games are going to be in China. And now you've got this time zone difference. People in Canada and the U.S. that want to watch hockey are going to watch it. Like, right. We'll find a way to watch it, whether it's waking up at an ungodly hour or the games are just kind of at a, you know, a mid afternoon time. I don't know what, you know, I don't know exactly. Or I'm replaying them on my computer when something. I get up in the afternoon. But those people in China that have the opportunity to go to those games and watch those games at during prime time, it's a great way to grow the game. Sure. Bring in extra revenue for the game, which in turn just allows them to 
the, for the game, I think, to get better. Yeah, and in other countries too, like you know, neighboring countries like Japan and South Korea that are maybe trying to expand the game a little bit more. Right now, you've got the opportunity to view it because again, that time zone difference where they're not yep. going to stay up till four in the morning to watch NHL games or what have you. So, and you know, yeah, maybe you can go and buy a buy a knockoff jersey in China too. There you go. With, with the team, <laughs> I have a few of them. <laughs> I actually think I have a Henrik Sedin knockoff Canucks jersey. Beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. All right. Well, that is our show for today. Uh, let us know what you thought. Come follow us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk on Instagram as well. And uh, Justin, any final words as we sign off? No. No, none whatsoever. A man of few words. We will talk to you guys soon. 